Hey, good evening, and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70. It's about at C70 on Twitter. And with me as, well, not always, <laughs> but <laughs> since it's been, it feels like forever, but since we've had her back with us. But now we have Tara. Fill in, fill in the blank. Uh, our our, our uh, Tara, former Tara Wellman, the current Tara Nichols. Um, we are gl- glad to have you back in the, um, I don't know how to say it, the Twitter podcast social media sphere. Um, and we all extend congratulations on the nuptials. Thank you very much. It is good to be back. It's a little strange because... My brain has been nonstop wedding uh, stuff for the last three or four months. So I'm trying to remember how to process normal life. (laughs) (laughs) But it was great. We had a wonderful time. Everything was beautiful. The weather held off and did not cause me unnecessary stress. And uh, we're, we're just enjoying ourselves at this point. So it's been good. Yes. What has not been good, as we will take that segue, is the Cardinals. Um, Accurate. <laughs> yes, the Cardinals, who um, did actually manage to win a game today, uh, which is always uh, nice to see and not something we should take for granted, um, but lost the second game of a, of a doubleheader that was created by rain uh, of Saturday night Saturday's game. And now sit 36-36, and 36, um, a team that has struggled in many facets of the game. But I think the most telling stat was out on Twitter just a little bit ago that the Arizona Diamondbacks are (laughs) on a 17-game losing streak. And in that 17-game losing streak, they have still outscored the Cardinals. Um, Tara, if you were to pick a spot on this team that is the biggest problem, I know it's hard, but where would you point? You know, it's crazy because coming into this conversation, I was very prepared to talk about what a letdown all the pitching has been. And quite honestly, we could have that conversation in the entirety of this podcast and still probably, you know, not really get to all the details of just that part of what's been disappointing. And admittedly, I haven't watched as much baseball this season as I typically do. I certainly haven't watched as much baseball in the last couple of months. And as has been noted by, uh, you know, these podcasts and occasionally on Twitter, uh, for the longest time, I couldn't watch baseball at all because um, Bally Sports and Metronet couldn't get their lives together and (laughs) figure out how to get me the games. But that has been rectified, not because of Bally Sports or Metronet, but nonetheless, I've been able to watch games more recently for a variety of reasons. And I say all of that because I think it's easy to look at what has gone wrong on the pitching side more from a box score or a game story perspective and to not really get a feel for how bad the offense is when I'm not watching it day after day, Mm -hmm. right? So those numbers don't jump off the page as notably as the games where the Cardinals do have a lead and they cough up seven or eight runs late in the game, or they, you know, keep it close for four or five innings and then give up 11 runs, but before the game ends, those things are so obvious, just sort of on the surface, just literally jumping off (laughs) the page or the cell phone, uh, you know, screen at you. So 
I wanted to talk about how bad the pitching has been, but that Arizona Diamondbacks stat makes it even more obvious how much of a problem the offense is. And I guess maybe one reason I wanted it, I almost wanted it to be the pitching is because I'm so tired of talking (laughs) about how bad the offense is. And the fact that there are people in place to make that different. Now, not maybe enough of a difference, right? We said when Nolan Arenado was acquired that he wasn't going to be able to change the entire dynamic of the lineup alone. Now, we did think that the addition of Nolan Arenado would be beneficial for Paul Goldschmidt and would be a part of what allowed Dylan Carlson to settle into his role. And for a while, that top four was looking pretty good. Paul Goldschmidt, maybe not as much as the other three, but nonetheless, the last stretch not even that is really working. I mean, the fact that Tyler O'Neill can be having the season that he's had and that you still feel like it's barely a blip on the radar because the rest of the lineup is just, I, I don't, I don't even know anymore. I don't know how to explain what's happening with the offense. And the frustrating part is clearly neither do they. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like they are in a big rush to change a lot of things. There's some quotes coming out from a Derek Gould article this week that, you know, Mo saying what Mo says, and we know from personal experience that Mo will say <laughs> a lot of things for, to say nothing. Um, but basically boiled down to they did not feel like they wanted to, you know, push in all their chips on this season. And I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to see them trade Nolan Gorman for some sort of stopgap pitcher or something like that just to try to make a run. Um, And this is a team, as we've talked about, that has enough holes that it's hard to see you putting, you know, some of your big chips in play to try to salvage something out of this year. Um, All that said... Uh, you can't keep doing the same thing. Now, the Cardinals this week, um, you know, since last Sunday, have been shut out three times uh, in what eight games. Um, they have, you know, without that nine-run outburst this week, this today, and a seven-run ga- a seven-inning game against the Braves, um, would probably be averaging less than. I haven't looked at the numbers, and now it's gone for most of it. But it feels like they've been averaging less than three or probably over that stretch. They won three games this week um, against the Marlins, but all every one of them took to like the eighth, seventh or eighth inning to break a tie, a very low scoring tie. It wasn't like they, you know, dominated this lesser team. Um, so should Mo be more aggressive in this year or is it, you know, I mean, I don't, it's, it's Father's Day. You don't, it's not it's too early to wave the white flag. And especially in this division, I don't know how to, wh- which way does he go with this? I don't know. I, I think, and we've said this for a while. I don't know if there's any way to confirm it because Mo's never going to say this, but right. I think that there is a distinct difference in what the organization views as success and what the fan base wants to call success. Mm -hmm. And 
a season in which they're contending for the postseason seems to be, I I don't, I don't want to say enough because certainly they want more than that, but it seems to be enough to not panic. Right. And the fan base, perhaps rightfully so, when you look at the pieces that they have, particularly noting that guys like Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina are not guaranteed to be around (laughs) for, you know, a, a lengthy kind of, slow build to another championship or maybe a year where you just get lucky like they have a couple of times in not so recent past um so the fans want success to be defined by give us a world series caliber team and you look at what the cardinals are doing right now they're not a division winning team much less a world series winning team at this point and that it's hard to watch a team like this without some of the pieces from a player perspective, but with such a seemingly nonchalant approach to getting better. And look, that may be totally unfair, right? They may be in players meetings every single day going, guys, we got to find a way to fix this. I don't know. I'm not there. I'm not part of those conversations. I don't know what Jeff Albert is doing, but I do know that, you know, we talked in the spring, right, about Matt Carpenter. And we said, okay, you know, it doesn't matter. We like to say in spring, well, they're working on stuff. But when you go 0 for 18, (laughs) I don't think you're, I, I don't think that is the result of the work that you're looking for. I don't think you're going, yeah, no, this is working well for me at that point, whether it's spring training or in the middle of July. So at some point, this idea of we just got to trust the process has to be questioned in terms of what if the process is bad, right? Right. Trusting the process in theory is great, right? You don't want to panic and overreact to small circumstances or small sample sizes or just a bad month or whatever it is. Okay. And I I understand that. I get that. But what if the process you're trusting in is bad? Or what if the process you're trusting in doesn't work for this group of guys? I mean, we're talking about an aging Paul Goldschmidt, Mm -hmm. but a Paul Goldschmidt that it feels like he should be better than this. Okay. (laughs) And we're talking about Nolan Arenado, who no one should mess with at all at the plate because he's, he's pretty good on his own there. So if anyone is trying to convince him to do anything different than what he's always done, uh, like walk away, (laughs) leave the man alone. Um, Don't ruin a good thing by trying to tinker too much or to force him into a process that isn't generating positive results in a results game, a results business the process is only valuable if it generates the desired results. And unless you can tell me that this is the desired result, (laughs) I don't think the process is working. And I think that almost nonchalant attitude of just, well, we see that it's wrong, but we don't, we see see that it's going wrong, but we don't really know how to fix it because it would take too much work to fix it. So we're just going to kind of roll with it and see what happens. That's not going to create the kind of success that the fan base wants. And if that kind of that version of kind of lucking into a little bit of success that might get them to the postseason 
if that's the success that the organization is accepting at this point, oh boy, then we've got <laughs> we got a long road <laughs> ahead mm-hmm. of us till those two desires <laughs> match up. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot to do, and of course, you're right. Everybody focuses on Jeff Albert, and you know, it is. I think it's starting to be fair for sure. I, think, I mean, it's still the pl- it's still on the players, right, right for ha- right. for how they perform. But I think at this point, it's gone on long enough that you have to question all of it. Well, and I mean, there is. I don't know. I feel like there's still some value in changing out coaches if nothing else to you know wake people up you know i mean mike shield had a a discussion about this i saw on out of his post game show not too long ago was you know i think Derek gold asked him about you know trying to do something different or whatever and he said look yeah if i felt like these guys weren't trying i'd be in there turning over tables and you know trying to shock them into something but but do we believe that i (laughs) i think that because I think he probably would. Like he said, he's done that before. I and I, Mike, feels like he's a guy that could get worked up. I mean, we've seen him get worked up on umpires. Now, does he have an accurate judge of his clubhouse? Um, that's a different story. Yeah. Um, does he, you know, is he ready to use a last resort type of thing? You know, maybe not. Um, and, and some of that is just theatrics, you know, at times, um, we've seen that. I I know there was a game, Mike Matheny went out and argued with the umpire just because he wanted to be tossed. And it was so, it was so blatantly obvious that it kind of, yeah, because it took him like 12 minutes to get tossed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it was just like, okay, he's doing this, trying to motivate his team. But when you can, I mean, when it's so clearly that that's what it is, that it, you know, they're not going to do it. It's like, oh, you're just being silly. Well, especially Um, if you've already sort of lost the clubhouse, they're going to be like, what is this Joker doing? Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) and there was a a lot of that as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, you know, I don't know. I just, it feels like they can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yet they do. And that kind of gets us back to the pitching staff. When I, you know, I was gone for about a week and, you know, even before that, it was probably even, it may have been the last time you and I did a show, which has been, (laughs) you know, over a month ago now. But there was this idea that there was going to have to be a move. You know, Jack Flaherty was down. The pitching staff was struggling. There had to be something. Even if it wasn't the Max Scherzer type deal, there had to be something, some sort of veteran person brought in to cover some innings or whatever. Um, And it hasn't happened. Yes, they signed wade leblanc this weekend and that wasn't the move you were hoping for not particularly Mm. and again i'm not saying that it's um that's um, i I will say it was probably something uh, maybe a step above that you know um (laughs) that we thought they would get um because it looks like leblanc right now and maybe we'll see differently it's just another long man in the bullpen right i mean he's not a starter arm it doesn't seem to be no, um, so. and it, it's, I don't I'm, I'm stumbling over my words because I, at this point I almost don't have any for, uh-huh. look, I get it. Things as far as the pitching staff 
have gone really poorly. <laughs> yep. Yep. You, you had a plan going into the season, but to be honest, I, I almost don't, I don't want to say I don't feel bad for the front office because that's, that's not really fair, but you and I saw this coming, mm-hmm. right? We talked at the beginning of the year. We talked in the off season about the fact that everyone thinks the pitching staff is going to be this giant strength for this team. And yeah, if all the stars align, it would be. But you were one or two bad performances or injuries away from the whole thing crumbling. And right. now you're looking at no Mikeless, Kim's been in and out of the rotation, no Jack Flaherty, a Carlos Martinez that looked like he was on track to be Carlos Martinez again, but now is back on this roller coaster where it's like three bad starts for every one good one. And that was a big key to this. I think I said at the beginning of the season, Carlos Martinez was one of my keys for this year because if he was good, he could be the piece that held the rotation together. But if he was bad, boy, that depth goes away really fast. And not only has he fallen apart more often than he has not, but so is the rest of that rotation. So it's not like we didn't see this coming as not even a possibility, but I would say the probability of problems in the rotation was relatively significant from mm-hmm. day one, which is why we spent all off season saying, wait, you're not going to do anything to for the, okay, sure. Let's, we'll roll the dice on that. That's fine. Probably, but actually no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, and I think to some, I, I don't know. I can, uh, you could make the argument maybe that they've gotten used to having pitching depth right i mean they've had arms for days you know yeah. you could always go and get a alex reyes to bring up or a luke weaver or a sandy alcantara um alcantara um those guys aren't there anymore i mean reyes <laughs> is with the main club most of that pitching depth got traded for offensive hitters that well <laughs> weren't as offensively hitting as uh-huh. they as they hoped um, and I don't know if they've made that mental adjustment to we're going to have to trade perhaps some of our now hitting depth because it seems like they have a decent amount of, of that at part the spots for some sort of pitching. Uh, and I don't know if they've made that mental adjustment yet. Um, no. And they're going to have to. Now, again, a lot of doom and gloom about this team, and that's absolutely fair again we're sitting at 500 and you know that's probably a little bit generous for this team um but that said they're they're tied with the reds but in third place four games out and this is after being swept by the cubs last weekend get you know which after being swept by the reds (laughs) and after being swept by the reds um but you know, after being swept by the Cubs, they were down by they were down six, and that really felt like to me. And again, this is me watching from afar at this point that they were in trouble. You know, you're under five hundred, you're down six to the Cubs, who are been playing better. And then the Cubs go out and kick away a series while they're waiting against the Marlins, and you're kind of sitting in this same spot. The Brewers haven't taken off. So maybe even just one decent move can win you a division. And again, I guess that goes back to your point is that that seems to be enough for the front office to be in contention for a division title versus a team that looks like they could contend for a world series. 
Um, and it seems like the only teams that are going to do that are the teams out in the West. Yeah. And quite honestly, I'd even be happy, maybe not totally satisfied, but happy with the perceived goal being to win the division, not to yeah. contend for a possible right. division title, right? That's mm -hmm. That in and of itself seems like a significant difference at this point. And I know the front office is, is probably going to say, you know, when they listen to this, obviously, like they do, what's up, Mo? Oh, sure. um, <laughs> they're probably going to say, we just got you, Nolan Arenado. What more do you want from us? And I get it. I get that that was a big piece and that was a big play. And they felt like, man, we made our move. And the rest of the division was kind of just doing nothing. I get it. But this is a, a, a game of adjustments and the players aren't adjusting. Mm -hmm. The coaches aren't adjusting. The front office isn't adjusting. And the only thing that's adjusting is the expectation. And it's not adjusting to be higher. <laughs> it's adjusting to be like, well, maybe they just won't lose the series. Maybe they can, you know. Um, so it's I get it that their offseason big play, maybe years in the making, was Nolan Arenado. And I loved it. It was wonderful. I'm happy to see that. But to your point, they're used to the idea of having a stockpile of major league caliber pitching. John Mozeliak is notorious for saying you can never have enough pitching, right? You mm -hmm. can never have too much pitching right now. They don't have enough pitching. Right. And I wonder, I've wondered at times the last couple of years, but particularly now, if, if their kind of blueprint for how to do baseball is not going to work anymore, at, at least not with the current mix of players throughout their organization. And to use a different sport analogy, I just watched, uh, I've been watching some of the NBA playoffs. I grew up in Utah, so I like to call myself a jazz fan, even though I haven't paid close enough attention for most of the regular season for most of the years since I left Utah um, <laughs> to really apply that with a whole lot of, uh, confidence but I watched the Jazz lose a series in the playoffs because they simply couldn't figure out how to adjust to what the defense mm -hmm. was doing what seems to be happening with the Cardinals and we've said this maybe not in these exact terms but over the last couple of years is that they either can't figure out how to adjust or they refuse to adjust to what the league looks like to what the mm -hmm. division looks like to what someone else is doing to now at this point to what their own organization looks like. And that we've gone from seeing, and I know sports happen in cycles and this may just be the bad part of the cycle for the Cardinals. Right. I, I get it. But their minor league system is not the strength that it was 10 years ago mm -hmm. in that they don't have a whole Memphis roster that they could swap with the major league team at any time and not skip a beat they don't have a handful of guys at this point that they feel confident in bringing to the major league level and swapping them out with major league players that are struggling and maintaining the level of ability i mean we've seen lane thomas continue to struggle Right, we've seen some of these guys that uh, didn't make the opening day roster, who should be those depth guys, who aren't any better, and in fact are probably worse than the guys who were already struggling on the major league roster. So, whether it's the pitching or whether it's the the 
overrating of their own talent, which this organization is notorious for doing. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's just, I mean, like a series of unfortunate events that have led them to this point. If they don't adjust, they're leaving the result up to chance. And that's an uncomfortable risk to take. It's It goes back to what John Mosaic said a couple of years ago, which was that we're going to be better by just being better. And that's fine in theory. I mean, if we look at the guys up and down that the lineup and say, well, if they all start hitting better, the team's going to be better and everyone's going to go... <laughs> Thanks, genius, for that quality analysis. Um, Yes, that's how sports work. But that doesn't do a whole lot from the perspective of feeling like they're doing something actively to solve the problem. They're just kind of going, maybe it'll work itself out. And from a pitching perspective, they don't have the depth for that to work. And from a hitting perspective, look, they've got three years in the books now of whatever this magical process is not really helping when guys are in a slump and when they all slump at the same time, I mean, you get the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And it's not good. And speaking of slumping, I think that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Paul DeYoung. Um, Paul DeYoung came back just in time for the, Cubs series he had played what about four or five minor league games maybe had only gotten like one or two hits there he didn't look necessarily overwhelming but they brought him up because that's what they do um and now after tonight he's three for 32 um since he came back up he's got double digits and strikeouts in that span Uh, it's i know that there's definitely definitely value in Paul DeYoung. But it still feels to me watching him a lot that he still feels to some degree he's riding that, that rookie year. I mean, I know he had 30 home runs in 2019 and that was great, but you know, he's still only his OPS plus was still right at a hundred. I mean, he was still a league average pitcher player hitting 30 home runs and now he, he doesn't hit 30 home runs. Um, is there a is there an issue here? Or am I just kind of overreacting a little bit to what now has been definitely two bad years? I don't think it's an overreaction. I think to some degree it's a product of the rest of the lineup in that, you know, we've said this about Harrison Bader. Right. If the rest of the lineup is doing their job, you wouldn't even notice that Harrison. Okay, fine. I think part of the problem with Paul DeYoung is they keep putting him in the middle of the lineup and they keep trying to make him the cleanup hitter or they keep trying to make him, you know, one of these guys that is in the mix with an Arenado and a Paul Goldschmidt because he hit 30 home runs in 2019. That's great. He hasn't lived up to that mm-hmm. since then. He hasn't been that caliber player really outside of okay the home runs are great and I, I I enjoyed watching that season of Paul DeYoung but there were stretches in that season where he would go over who knows what and just look absolutely lost at the plate he's a streaky hitter and to try to make a streaky hitter like that a cleanup guy 
because he has power is going to expose that streakiness because when you need him the most to drive runs in, I mean, it's a a bit of a crapshoot because you don't know, (laughs) you don't know what, which version of him you're going to get. And then really, honestly, since he broke his hand a couple years ago, yeah, I don't think he's been able to get back to that level. Not not to say that the hand was the problem, but the the pause when he was playing well, uh, you know, he just hasn't been the same. And that's just an easy, you know, moment to go back to that doesn't necessarily hold up if you look at the actual data. But in my brain, I go back oh, yeah. to, man, Paul DeYoung looked a lot better before that. Then he was off for so long. He came, came back maybe too soon in terms of where he was at with his timing and all of that and looked real, real bad when he first came back and kind of has tried to dig himself out of that hole ever since then. And there have been other injuries along the way, of course, as well. But mm-hmm. in my brain, that's sort of a <laughs> a distinct break in the Paul DeYoung story. And I, I don't think it's an overreaction to be disappointed that that hasn't worked out better than it has. And, you know, that's not even necessarily a knock on Young. It's just a knock on the fact that as the Cardinals tend to do, they see a kid in their rookie season and then all of a sudden anoint them the, the, the next big thing. And mm-hmm. they it's almost like they... If you recall, they were pretty desperate for a shortstop <laughs> at yes. that point. Yes. So it was almost like, hey, you can hit and you're not terrible defensively. So you're the shortstop of the future. And that may have been unfair in terms of the role that then Paul DeYoung was expected to play. So in all of our minds, the organization went, no, he's it. Trust us. And even if we were like, but he hasn't really done it yet okay um and then you know you keep trying to see him live up to that to that hype and to that expectation just because they were like we have this open spot that somebody has to fill so we're gonna fill it with this guy and then also tell everyone he's the greatest thing ever it just there's a bit of a disconnect there with how that all happened and i feel like i'm rambling at this point one because i'm a little rusty on the podcast thing (laughs) uh and two because it's hard to wrap your head around what is happening with some of these players. But I think Paul DeYoung was always going to be a guy that was streaky. That's just kind of the player that he was his rookie season. When he first came up and wowed, everybody was a bit of an anomaly, a little bit like Harrison Bader, quite honestly, when he first came up and, and hit like he did that, that first season at the big league level, we all went, Whoa, this is not who we saw in the minor leagues. What is happening here? Mm -hmm. And he's kind of, dealt with the same roller coaster of trying to get back to that point. And the Cardinals did the same thing with him. That was the season, uh, the off season where they introduced the, the victory blues. And who was the face of that change? It was Harrison Bader after half a season. And all of a sudden he was the next Jim Edmonds. And I don't think that approach from the organization helps guys like Harrison Bader or Paul DeYoung find who they are and what their role is when they're kind of streaky anyway. So it's f- totally fair to be frustrated by the lack of production from DeYoung. I think it's it's exposed more because of the lack of production from the entire lineup and the pitching and everything else that's going wrong at this point. But I also think it's reasonable to acknowledge that maybe Paul DeYoung was never going to be 
what the organization kind of hoped he would be. And now they're kind of in a position where they don't have, I mean, Sosa has been serviceable when he's played Mm -hmm. in instead of um, DeYoung, but he's not supposed to be that guy. So they're going to try to get DeYoung to be that guy, but maybe he's not that guy. Yeah, that's, you're right. It's interesting to talk about, you know, them jumping on Paul DeYoung very quickly, very similarly to what they did with Miles Michaelis. You know, they had him Mm -hmm. for a, you know, a contract with an option year. And instead of just exercising the option year, they signed him to a four year extension, in which case he was, you know, kind of, and then hurt and then hurt. And then, you know, who knows what we'll get out of him. Um, There is that idea of, and I think in the case of Michaelis, and maybe in the case of Paul DeYoung as well, and, and some others, the front office has often patted themselves on the back and mm-hmm. said, well, you know, especially with Michaelis, we, we, we talked about that or yeah. we, with Mo in the, at the bloggers meeting of, you know, how they were, you know, Bill DeWitt himself, uh, the third said, hey, you know, the, these guys were you know, looking like the cat that ate the canary. You know, they were so happy about this idea. You know, dude, they had had you know, pulled one over on the league. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not, you know, I mean, one year is not exactly a, enough of a status, uh, uh, stats to, to look at. So, no. uh, you know, some of that is a little bit of trying to, you know, double down on, on something that you've done well, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I continue to watch the young, and you're right. It is that idea we've talked about with Harrison Bader. We talked about with Colton Wong, that idea that, you know, bring enough defense, you know, if the offense is hitting, nobody cares. But I think every, every situation, every kind of good version of the Cardinals has Paul DeYoung as one of those guys that's hitting um, and not being one of those guys that's being carried. Um and he mm-hmm. just doesn't look like a guy now. I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll, you're right. Maybe, you know, he's had two different days this year where he's hit two home runs. He could get streaky, but it's going to take a heck of a streak right now <laughs> to get back to average. Um, and hopefully he can. Hopefully it just takes a little bit of time and, and he's still rusty. But, you know, then again, if that goes into, well, why didn't you let him play at Memphis a little bit longer? Um, yeah. And I don't know that they have an answer for that either. I, you know, I don't know. It's it really right now. It feels like the Cardinals could trade for Mike Trout, who would not be able to hit. You know, they could develop <laughs> a, a Wander Franco, who would not be able to hit when yeah. he made the major leagues. I mean, there is nothing they can do offensively. It feels like. I mean. It was so, we talked about it at the beginning of the year, how refreshing it was for Nolan Arenado to come out of the gate strong. Yeah. Because he might have a chance to actually be somebody that they could get something out of. And I think for the most part, we're fairly happy with what what Nolan has brought to the table. Um, But you're right. You know, Goldschmidt has struggled. Um, You know, we're starting to see a little bit of, I think, maybe a little bit of the Tommy Edmond issues just because, you know, he's, he's still hitting, but he has to hit. I mean, cause he's not walking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when all that clicks, we saw it today, uh, that first game, what the first four batters all had like two or three hits each. And there was a couple of home runs in there and well and good, 
but you can't have that happen once a month. Yeah. I mean, this this lineup should should do this once or twice a week, I think. I mean, maybe not nine runs, but at least be productive. And it's just not there. But I don't know, you know, besides going out and getting one at a Trevor story or something like that, who would then, of course, come in here and not be able to hit. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know how you go about fixing this offense especially when, and we haven't even talked about it and we're getting, I know getting late in the show, but especially when the pitching staff still has those gaps. Um, I don't know how you could, I mean, I don't know that you could fix both pieces here. I mean, yeah. Mo did it in 2011, but you know, well, I guess depending on what you think of Corey Patterson's uh, contributions, <laughs> but uh, I mean, do you think he could do another one of those kind of moves where it's like three or four spare parts that, is the sum is better than the whole? I'm not going to say he can't, but I am going to go back to what I said earlier. I don't trust this process. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know that it matters what pieces you bring in if the process is bad. And yeah. when I say process, please understand, I don't know what the work is that they're putting in. I don't know what the philosophy is from Jeff Albert that's so revolutionary that it's going to take 17 years for anyone to figure <laughs> it out. I don't know what they're doing in preparation as far as who the pitcher is that they're going to be facing that day because they don't let us in on that. Jeff Albert doesn't talk to the media. This isn't something right. that they discuss openly. So we're sort of left guessing as to what is or isn't happening. But what I'm talking about is watching Dylan Carlson take four straight pitches from Craig Kimbrell and never take the bat off his shoulder mm. and strike out looking at the end of a game. I I'm talking about the fastballs down the middle that none of this team seems to be interested in trying to hit, right? And I, I would. I haven't taken the time to go look at the numbers to compare if the Cardinals are taking more strikes than other teams are, or if this is just sort of in my mind. <laughs> but it's it's kind of the idea that why do they struggle so much with soft tossing tossing lefties? Is that a preparation thing or is it a skill set thing? And whatever the piece of that process is that has them all so in their own heads that you can almost see them at the plate, like in between pitches going, okay, I've got to check this box and check this box and do this thing. And now he might do this, but he might do this instead of doing this, I'm going to do this. And th it's like, they're so tied up trying to think too far ahead that I made the comparison to someone I was talking to the other day where Adam Wainwright last year said that the weirdness of the COVID season and the, inability uh, to have sort of the consistency in the schedule like starting pitchers typically do kind of got him out of his own way and instead of having access to all the video and all the prep work and all the the routine and da -da 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 -da, he just had to pitch and it all of a sudden unlocked something for Adam Wainwright that wasn't about all the analytics and all the data and all the video work and all the whatever. It was just Adam Wainwright knowing how this game works, understanding how hitters work and doing what he does. I want to find that equivalent <laughs> for the lineup and just tell him like, you've all been in this game your entire lives. You know how this works at this point. If the preparation is valuable in terms of, hey, why am I struggling with this particular pitch? Let's look at the analysis of this and see if I can, you know, 
get around on it earlier or change my hands or whatever, that's fine. But if they're in their own way trying to outthink the opponent, mm-hmm. th- they just got to stop <laughs> and play baseball. And that's what's easy for me to say from here watching. But that's why I, I continue to caveat with I don't know what their process is because they don't tell anyone that information. But I know what the result is. And one player or a handful of spare parts isn't going to make a difference if the process continues to get in their way instead of help them do things a better way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, Dizzy Dean said in the you know, 34 series uh, that gets the Tigers. Uh, you know, if they're already, if they're thinking they're beat already. Um, right. Exactly. To, to some degree, there is a little bit of that. I mean, there you've got to, got to be able to react you've got to be able to you know just do and yeah i get easy enough for for us to say but um yeah i don't know why they're struggling it's obviously easy yeah i mean i you know (laughs) and i mean obviously once um all this sticky stuff goes away tomorrow (laughs) everything's gonna just you know tear apart and we're and change everything gonna, yeah it's all gonna that's that's it baseball right is gonna implode <laughs> well if it does hopefully <laughs> the cardinals um you know can dig their way out of the rubble um they're not gonna hit their way out of it so they'll have to they'll have to dig their way um all right well that is an exciting and uplifting show for you <laughs> Um, Tara and I will be back again next week. Hopefully, the Cardinals have a stretch of terrible teams that they're supposed to play. Um, you know, this they have an off day tomorrow, then they get two against Detroit, uh, three against the Pirates. And I love the fact that they're beating up on these bad teams, but I just don't know that it matters if you can't hold your own against the 500 teams. I mean, you don't have to win all those games against 500 teams, but at least be you know, 500 against them. Yeah. Cardinals are way under that. <laughs> and I don't know that all this, I know we talk a lot about, Oh, you know, terrible teams coming up for the next few weeks. That's all great. Good and great. But I don't think it tells you anything about this team, even if they go and, you know, go five and zero this week. No, it, it doesn't really at all. And it doesn't, you know, they'll use it to justify the bad process. Like they do all mm. the time. And, you know, we'll still be talking about this a week from now or two weeks from now, if that's the way that it goes. Because this week, I don't want to say that winning those games doesn't matter because the wins count just the same. But winning those games doesn't tell you anything about what is or isn't improving. And that's where they need to evaluate right now. And I don't know that these games help that unless they go in and lose a bunch of these games to bad yeah. teams. And well, then that tells you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wins tell you nothing. Losses tell you what you don't want to hear <laughs> so yeah um so hopefully we're talking about wins next week even if they don't matter um but until then that is tara i'm daniel good night hey cardinals fans thanks for listening to this week's show if you liked what you heard you can find us on itunes just search gateway to baseball heaven under podcasts and click subscribe while you're there feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.